Hello everyone, what's up? Uh, I'm a Maxter, we're back with Audox episode 3, and in this episode we're talking with uh, No Moon, who is making a game called Mind Knight. Hello, um, let's do this in order, we have three people, so first of all we have Francisk, who is the lead game director. Hey there, thanks for having me. No problem. And we have Evan, who is the lead writer. Hi. <clears throat> and we have Tudor, who is the lead uh, programmer. Hi, nice to meet you. Yep. Um, so you guys are part of a team of eight uh, making this game called My Night that you just put up on Greenlight. So um, how did you guys decide to form a studio and where did you all come from? Well, that's a funny question. Um, we, <laughs> uh, we, so I, um, in December, found myself in a position where I just really wanted to work on games, but I didn't have any. Uh, I had a wide network of people, and and um, was looking for you know like-minded people who might be interested. And you know, I kind of tapped into my network and um, poked around, and I found Francisque, um, who was in a similar position to me. He had just left his company, and was striking out on his own. Um, he just put out a, a really cool mobile game, by the way. Um, I'll let him mention that later if, <laughs> if he wants to. Um, but he, uh, he and I started talking and sent emails back and forth about what kind of game company we would want to start, what philosophies we'd want to embrace, um, you know, just our general attitudes about the game industry. Um, because, you know, the AAA in industry is uh, it's 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 quite a beast. Um, it's something that uh, you know is not necessarily for everyone. But one of the hallmarks of AAA of you know working in many game companies is that they will often take your enthusiasm for making games and and not necessarily. Uh, compensate you accordingly. It's like you know they they say, oh well, you're really uh, excited about games. Well. Uh, then come work for us for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> right. So, um, for us, you know, we we want to create something that uh, is about the, our love and passion for games, and we want to treat everybody fairly, um, and and you know, give the people who are working on the games the opportunity to own what they're working on, and and you know, learn and grow and and build from that experience. So that's kind of how, how this whole operation got started. Huh. And where did you uh, come up with the name No Moon? Uh, well, um, the Rogue One had just come out and uh, it just sort of popped into my head around um, uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. When right, he goes, that's No Moon. That's No Moon. So that's that's where it came from. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, so My Night is um, your first effort as a studio, and you just recently put up on Greenlight. So um, can you just, on a quick, like on a high level, quickly describe what exactly My Night is? Sure, I'm going to do that. So My Night is a multiplayer game. We started by doing it in a game jam. Uh, it's a multi multiplayer game about manipulating other people. And it's mainly inspired by uh, popular games such as Werewolf or The Resistance, which are tabletop games which involve face-to-face -face interaction and uh, deducing who is the bad guy and who is the good guy. And 
we took this basic concept and we tried to put some twists and some different mechanics and uh, to to challenge ourselves as much as possible to compensate the lack of interaction of face to face and translate that into a digital game uh, most of us played this sort of games um, for years and we said that there is there is a need for these type of games to come out uh, on the digital uh, medium as well so it's it's basically a turn-based online multiplayer game it has an a chat system through uh, which players can can talk with each other we're also planning into implementing voice um a voice chat system into custom games um and yeah that's that's pretty much it on short huh and I think it's telling because uh, your studio, um, you work remotely too, so that you kind of have that inspiration, um, you know, because you've all played those kinds of games and you wanted that interaction possible in an online format. Probably we didn't thought of that actually, but I think you're 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 basically reading what it was our subconscious, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think it's really cool because um, it is kind of this interesting time in gaming where we have a renaissance in local multiplayer games, but at the same time, it's hard to organize that, um, you know, get controllers, get all that stuff, um, which is why it's nice to have a game that's designed around, you know, not super quick stuff that is going to be dependent on ping, but um, some maybe a more like a high level concept like a board game that you, or a tabletop game that you can kind of play uh, across the world. Yeah, um, digital games have, I mean, are kind of behind the curve in general, I think, when it comes to multiplayer, you know, to finding ways to, to creative ways to implement multiplayer and, and oh, yeah. create interesting interactions between people. And so, you know, yeah, this is definitely an example of, of an area where we thought, hey, you know, this would be fun. Um, it's kind of a fun little side project. And we're like, well, um, you know, this mechanic is awesome. Let's let's see if we can make it work in a, in a video game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the, those kind of um, have you ever? So you mentioned the resistance and werewolf. Are there any like actual video game inspirations that you had, or was it all kind of based off existing tabletop games? Like the the games that are are out there right now, and we looked at them because they are sort of doing that. Is Tower of Salem, for example, which is quite popular. It kind of takes the werewolf uh, scheme and. Uh, develops it in a much more complex way and uh, also there is the werewolf game which ubisoft actually published uh, recently on a vr on on the vr uh, platform and it kind of does the same thing but uh, through voice chat only so these are the two only games that we kind of looked at uh, in terms of uh, digital games similar digital digital games um yeah and we didn't really um looked closely at their mechanics we just wanted to try to uh, resolve the challenges in the game jam without taking too much inspiration and then when we decided in that the project uh, goes into full development and we want to publish it we started looking at other games as well that is a really neat concept and you have these um you've also had like card games which have become popular in years in the digital format you have your hearthstone and your everything um and, but like you mentioned, the tabletop thing, with a few exceptions, it hasn't been that um, popular in games, that kind of uh, model. How did you uh, 
does kind of think about designing my night from the perspective of like are players going to be using uh discord are they you know they gonna be chatting in voice how are they going to be interacting and how can we take advantage of that did you like did you take advantage of the differences um that are inherent in online like obviously you can't see people so instead you're mainly talking to them through voice uh, we've been trying to do something like this um by providing more information than you could have in a normal game like you would forget things that happened uh, previously but we can ha provide history and uh, help uh, players remember what happened in the previous turn in the previous round Sh show them instantly if somebody voted or uh, said something or we can provide a log uh, history of what everybody said and stuff like this yeah, because obviously you wouldn't want to maintain that in the real world, but when it's um, a computer game, it's much easier to do that. Exactly. So also we are we try to tr compensate as I as I already told you as much as possible uh, the lack of face to face interactions. And for example, um, we try to adopt uh, familiar tricks from. Uh, popular chat systems for example Facebook or Twitter and so on that for example when someone types a message you kind of see that he's typing and although he might hesitate you want to see that uh, or he wants to delete his message and write something else or he is writing at a very high speed and this is valuable information in a in a game like this where you really need to read others other people's behavior through any kind of uh, communication channel right so this is one of the things that we try to do to compensate uh, you, you can't see other people's expressions so a way of trying to read its behavior is through how they write how fast if they delete their message how often they, they, they write and stuff and stuff like that and also, um, it's not just the mechanics of the game. It kind of seems like your your story and that the uh, presentation style is also very, um, is it's you know it's very based on the internet uh, in a cyberpunk kind of way. When did you decide upon uh, like this pixel art cyberpunk art style that you have going on? Yeah, well, so I mean, the premise was uh, kind of a an organic process i mean we we kind of I, i'm not exactly sure if i remember if the pixel art came first or the premise came first um but i know that we um you know at first we were talking about the idea of, well you know if we put a bunch of players in a room you know and give them an opportunity to talk to one another how might that work um but then you know kind of going forward with it and just trying to come up with a cool premise, you know, I was, um, I, it, as you know, the, the U S is kind of in that there's kind of this background issue of net neutrality and, um, and the FCC is, is, you know, it might backtrack on, on, you know, all the work that was done for net neutrality in the past few years. Um, and so I, I just was like, well, okay, what if, what if net neutrality is gone <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, the, the hacker, you know, the sort of dark underbelly of, of the networks is completely locked out of, of sort of these walled gardens. Um, and, and it just, 
I don't know. It, it it seemed like a fun premise for for the possibility of creating, you know, what if there's you know these secured nodes that that can't be accessed unless it's very local and and then not only that but every person has a brain implant and what if these brain implants can be hacked but the nodes can't so the only way that the hackers have to get into these nodes and sort of break into them is to hack the people that are maintaining them um, so I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> maybe it's a lot of uh, a lot of premise for a little basic uh, game, but I don't know. It, it probably could provide some avenue for expanding the game into further, you know, into, you know, making it bigger if we want to in the future. Yeah, it's an interesting premise, um, and it it's also interesting because it's not working on a linear level. You're working on the level of providing background for an experience that I'm assuming is going to be repeated multiple times, right? Yes. So it kind of has to, it's kind of like um, Overwatch, right? Um, Because well, uh, that game, you know, you, you play it a ton of times, the character backstories, the whole backstory of something like that is very vague. Um, there's no, like, cutscenes directly in it, but at the same time, there's this feeling of presence and world building just enough to the point that you can expand it um, in whatever way, I guess, you see fit. Yeah, and, and also um, what I would like to add on that is um, um, if you uh, do a premise that is solid enough that the player can actually expand by itself, then it's going to create uh, an appealing world in which you can expand your thoughts, you can expand your own fantasy without really being anchored into what we want it to be as developers. So as a player, you're part of this world that we are telling you through small uh, hints what it is and what you're part of. But other than that, you can create your own fantasy. And we're giving you multiple levels and you see multiple sides of the city, that the city that it could be in the future. Um, and that's pretty much it. It's a very familiar setting for all of us. It's a city in which you just... Uh, complete the fantasy with your own thoughts of how and what the future could be. Yeah, it definitely, I think, works really well for something like this. Um, and it, and like I mentioned before, it really does kind of seamlessly blend into the pixel art aesthetic because it's, um, you know, some people say that it's very trite. You know, lots of indie games go for this style, but I think the way you're doing it, it definitely fits in with the kind of like hacker uh, cyberpunk theme. It just works very well, especially if um, I'm not sure if people listening to this have looked at the website, but if you haven't, uh, I'll link it, take a look because I think it, I don't know, I just think it integrates very well with just everything else you have going on, um, including the Greenlight page, which is um, something you just did. You launched on Steam Greenlight. What has that been like? Well, that's that's a first, I can tell. Um, it's a first because obviously before doing the studio, we didn't really need to think about this, to think about the publishing side, to think about marketing, to think about what's the tone of the game. And um, this is the very first time that we go on Greenlight with with uh, this project, with the first project. Um, so I, from my point of view, it is uh, the experience of going on Greenlight. It is uh, how intense you want it to be. It can be very intense if you uh, you put your objective as being very 
um, as being very uh, don't know spread around and uh, communicating your message uh, around multiple communicating channels uh, or you could just put it there that's it so from from our point of view it was an intense experience because we we tried to spread the word as much as possible and uh, looking at the numbers from from other games from under other developers uh, we have um, observed that the numbers that we got were actually higher than in the first 24 hours than the usual which it was really exciting for us we 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 think that we have a good reception until now although all of the games on green light kind of have the same amount of votes yes versus no it's kind of 50 50 kind of kind of thing uh because the perception and of, of people on green light is really relative it's you cannot know if you have 50 50 votes you could just read at as oh my game is not good but Maybe that's not the truth because the perception of people that go through Greenlight and they vote for games uh, is really weird. The perception of people is really weird from this point of view. Uh, you could just have someone that would love the game because he, uh, he likes pixel art or he will hate it because he, he it has pixel art. So you can't really... That's why Steam is also going... Probably is going away from Greenlight because the perception is really relative. Right, the new Steam Direct thing is kind of what I think what they're phasing in slowly, which was just announced that the fee for for that is gonna be the same for uh, as as Greenlight, uh, which probably would not change a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because on one hand, you know, you don't want it to be too expensive because you don't want to bar out uh, people who legitimately you know want to make games like you do, but at the same time, you don't want to make it easy for people who are just gonna troll or abuse the system. Um, or, you know, even just release uh, essentially asset flips, which is kind of a thing that's happened on Steam. Um, but definitely not in the case of your game, which is original. But um, one of the things um, that I imagine has been helpful is, you know, a lot of indie devs, they walk into something like Greenlight and they don't really know what's going on because it's their first experience with that. And it's the same with you, but at the same time, um, both Evan and Francis, you have experience in the AAA industry. Do you feel like that's been helpful and marketing the game initially from from my point of view the only thing that was helpful from our history in the AAA games was the networking just because we had some influencers or we had certain relationships with other AAA developers or AAA publishing partners uh maybe they threw out a share or they threw out the vote there and that was a little bit of an advantage than the regular indie developer, I suppose. But other than that, because we didn't really have experience with marketing and posting and reaching to as many people as possible, uh, it was also a learning uh, a learning sequence for us as well as uh, for any other indie developer out there. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> the the networking piece, I, I think, was hugely important just to kind of riff off of what Francisco was saying. Um, I mean, coming from AAA, uh, you know, one of the, the problems with it is that you've already got the installed network, right? Like you're working on this game and there's already the infrastructure built up to, to market it and, and you can be very 
siloed in your discipline. You know, a, a designer is a designer, a programmer is a programmer. Um, you know, but in in our case, you know, everybody is pitching in and where they can. You know, where they feel comfortable. You know, one of our one of our engineers on the team built our website. Um, I've been, you know, we, we've we've been posting on Reddit and and communicating with people and um, and you know, Francisk made the made the game trailer for for the game in addition to actually designing it. So there's there's a lot of cross pollination that does not happen in AAA um, mm-hmm. that we've had to learn. Right, because you kind of have to use all your resources available to you. Um and kind of my guy for it to make it work. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the only thing, the only last thing I would add is that the, the value of the AAA side is just, it, it's almost a little bit of street cred because we've been in the industry for so long. We've got these high profile games on under our you know resumes. And then that, in that actually opens a lot of doors, even though it's not necessarily, you know, it gets the doors open, but we still kind of have to walk through it, so to speak. Um, but that, you know, that's one thing I would add. Yeah, and it opens doors um, business side. It doesn't really, as long as you don't market yourself as being, like, for example, in the trailer, what if we would write at the beginning of, of the trailer, we are from the developers of Watch Dogs and whatever, right? Um probably it would have had a little bit different impact or maybe it, it would have had uh, a negative impact but this sort of um, having uh, very uh, known titles in your resume usually opens doors on the business side than than or, or in actually marketing a game mm-hmm. yeah you have to be careful with marketing because yeah if you do something like that you could risk overshadowing your game because you could you know see oh yeah former developer of this triple a game and then people will have some sort of expectations exactly. or or even prejudice like oh i hated watchdogs what I, i'm gonna hate this game like something like that no yeah. we just yeah. we just love games we don't uh we <laughs> we don't want to you know uh bandy about our backgrounds as you know as like badges or something um, from a development perspective, how do you think it's been going so far? You started as a studio in January, and um, you've uh, seemed to have gone pretty fast. Um, how are things going? And this has actually only been a, a month or so since we started uh, Mind Night. We've been doing some other stuff before. Uh, so it's been going very fast. Uh, we're all working very hard to, to bring it forward as fast as possible, but without compromising quality. I mean... Uh, the guy said before uh, they don't want to bring their background into this I'm hoping the game, the quality of the game will speak for itself mm-hmm. yeah definitely um, and I think it's also a good approach with you know your first game as a studio to take the approach of Mind Night which um, it's definitely an interesting game but it's also at the same time not extremely ambitious like conceptually it's unique but it's not trying to you know be a 3D open world <laughs> something uh, it's it's um, pixel art it's uh it has this simple mechanic that can be expandable you have kind of i think a good base that you can quickly build on to create you know uh, a good first game from the looks of it is that what you're going on yeah exactly this is this is exactly what what we uh, envision the fact that six months ago we started the company and we started working on our flagship title which uh, it is ambitious obviously each one of us want want to do that big game you know but at the same time we said uh, from time to time we should 
take a step back, uh, do a game jam, breathe a bit, maybe uh, get our creative juices flow a bit. Um, so that's how my night actually um, uh, was created in a game jam a month, a month and a half ago. Um, and since then we said, let's do it. And we, yeah, um, from there we said, well, let's see how it goes. And after that, we're going to come back to our main projects. Mm -hmm. And with my night, how do you plan on uh, releasing it? Like on, it's, um, pre obviously pretty early on. Um, it, it's, it's different, you know, how some devs do green light. Some devs have, um, like a game ready to go for green light and that can be more risky. And um and then in your case you kind of have more of uh the game I'm not sure what state the game's in but it's obviously pretty early on but you have the concept down so you put that on green light um once it is released do you plan on going early access first or do you just want to release it how are you going to approach that so since the the beginning after the game jam when we decided to do it full fledged um right after the first week of development in the second week we we did the first play test actually we gathered some people like 30 people and we did some some gay ses game sessions so we can actually take some some feedback um and uh, since then we did it each week uh, on sunday for example and um we thought of how to do it so right now the state of the game is it's almost finished it's playable we could have we could put it somewhere and people would be able to play it but at this point we are not 100% happy with it and we would like to polish the experience more so since um from the moment when when the game will be greenlit we would be able to put the game but this is relative to how happy we are with the polish level uh, mm -hmm. Being the first game, we're trying to be really careful on what it what is the first impression that we will have. So that's why we want to take the time and polish it as much as possible, even though the mechanics and the graphics and all of the experiences presented in a really simple way. Uh, it's not so complicated, but uh, we want to do it as perfect as possible. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, we are planning into going uh, into early access first so we can get more feedback um, beside the playtesters that we have and on, on our Discord channel. Hopefully we're going to expand on that Discord channel on uh, dedicated players that have valuable feedback for us. And then in early access, we're going to probably stay a month or two so we can update the game and polish it really really polish it um, and then we're gonna launch it uh, we don't plan in staying too much on green light we don't plan to stay too much with it in our in our uh, house and without releasing it we want to mm -hmm. go out there as fast as possible update the game uh, polish it because this is one of our um, our assets uh, we do work very fast because of our experience. We do we do polish very fast. We do very very fast iterative processes and play tests, so we can actually validate it and change it very fast. So we don't want to let's say release it a year from now. Definitely not. We are probably estimating at this point that we're gonna release it within a month. Oh wow. The mechanic, like you said, it will be familiar to people who have played those games. For people who haven't, it might not be as familiar. How are you? How do you plan on um, explaining that? Like, are you going to have a tutorial thing that you're going to work on, or like how? How? Or is it going to be through marketing? Like, how do you plan to present the actual mechanics of the game? 
So right now, this point is one of the things that we are uh, we are thinking of uh, intently. Okay, so we are, we are planning to introduce new players uh, in into this sort of uh, genre uh, that is not very familiar in 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 the digital medium um, by doing gameplay um, videos so through marketing basically but we're also planning into creating a tutorial that would uh, be accessible at any time and it will kind of help you with tips and what each uh, phase of the game means and what you need to do and stuff like that so uh, this is a way that we would like to learn um, to teach new players how to play the game um, and we are thinking of it right now intensely because as we went on green light and we had the trailer there a lot of people have uh, issues in understanding what's the game about and this is a sign of us not being too good at it actually because it's the very first time to in creating a trailer in creating a description and so on so right now we are intensely trying to figure out how we can record some footage and explain the gameplay uh, in a video and post it as fast as possible so we can get people engaged and uh, keep them engaged with uh, the gameplay that we want to present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's smart um, because definitely when I watched the trailer, one of the things that first confused me was the chat system. I thought that was like in-game dialogue. I couldn't tell whether it was that or if it was actual, you know, users uh, typing messages, it was kind of unclear. Um, so I think some things like that definitely, I think uh, Greenlight gives you a good chance to polish and fix and uh, improve before the game releases, um, which is which is good. Um, so thank you for coming on again today. Um, unfortunately, I think we've lost Evan. Hopefully he can come back before we end. Uh, but um, thanks for coming on. Um, this episode um do you have any more closing thoughts about your game or your studio um uh, thank you for having us and yeah we uh, we're gonna do a great job and it's gonna be uh um very <laughs> uh very popular game on steam yeah <laughs> that's what we're hoping yeah. for yeah so Thank you for having us, and uh, yeah, it, this is our very first game, this is our very first green light, and this is our very first podcast, so we are really appreciating that. Yeah, no problem. Well, hopefully, um, a small show, but hopefully uh, gets you some exposure, or for people who are um, didn't know about it, or people who are interested, hopefully you learned a little more about the game. Uh, where can people find out about um, your studio and your game? So right now uh, we can be found on Twitter at uh, my night uh, game. Um, we can be found on uh, Greenlight, obviously, uh, and we'll probably just leave leave a link into the description. Um, and that's pretty much it. This is just uh, this is our the main communication channels that we use right now. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, you heard that everyone, um, look out for, I guess, uh, for my night coming in pretty soon, just a, hopefully this summer sometime. Uh, and, uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's been an honor having you on and for everyone watching or listening, see you in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>